have something I'd like to uh, share with you this morning. There was a, a pastor who was invited to this old farmer's house and everything. They spent the night, and no doubt they stayed up late night talking about the scriptures and everything. So the next morning, it was a time for breakfast. And of course, the farmer, he was all decked out in these bib overhauls and everything, as, as we think farmers would. So then the pastor asked the farmer, said, you know, as they sat down at the table, would he uh, ask the blessing and, and lead in prayer? So the, they was all gathered around the table and they bowed their heads. And the farmer started out, Lord, I hate buttermilk. And uh, the visiting pastor, he uh, kind of glanced up with one eye to see, is this a joke or or you know, what's going on? So the farmer, he continued, and uh, he proclaimed uh, even louder, Lord, I hate lard. So the pastor, you know, he was <laughs> getting concerned. What, you know, where is he going with this? And uh, didn't know quite what to think. And then the farmer continued on, and said, Lord, said, and I don't much care for raw white flour. And the pastor, he looked to see how everybody else was taking this and everything, but the, the farmer seemed sincere and everything. And uh, so the pastor was really feeling uncomfortable and everything and, and uh, didn't know quite what to think. It never heard anyone uh, pray or ask a blessing in, in this manner. So then the farmer continued on and said, But Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love warm, fresh biscuits. So the, uh, he said, So Lord, when things come up that we don't like, and life gets hard, and we don't understand what you're saying, help us just to relax and wait until you're done mixing. So I thought that was, and then he said, Well, it'll probably be even better than biscuits. So I thought that was... Uh, that was pretty good. There are things comes in our life and life of our loved ones that uh, we really don't understand as we see uh, a, a small glimpse of it and we really don't understand. But we would pray that the Lord would give us faith and strength to realize Romans eight twenty eight. It's on the stone in front of the building. I hope we read it occasionally as we walk in. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And undoubtedly we all have said when something happens to us or something happens to a loved one that we don't understand. Lord, we don't, I don't understand how this could work together for good. And it's okay to say, hey, I don't understand. Don't say it questioning God that he doesn't know what he's doing. So uh, there are times, again, in your lives and loved ones and will be in the future that uh, we may not like this particular thing. Like the farmer didn't necessarily uh, like buttermilk, but he liked the results when it was all put together. So, uh, so is our lives. 
And I brought a puzzle this morning. I've done this before. Uh, I thought it makes a pretty good illustration. Austin did this years ago, and it certainly stuck in my mind. Of course, he was brave. He just dumped them all out over the floor. I'll just make a nice little neat pile here. So this might be... One of these pieces might be lard, and one of them might be buttermilk, and one of them might be just white flour. But this could be pieces of your life and events in our lives. I'd like to read out of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. Something that uh, if the Lord calls us, us to believe it, if the Lord opens our eyes and our ears to it, we pray that he would uh, give us faith and strength to, to wait till he uh, gets through mixing and the trust that it's going to work together for good. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And let's remember this first verse as we read on. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, <clears throat> a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear or rent and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So we see this covers a large area, and in my mind, this covers everything. It's a time for everything. But something that I all want to, to realize, and, and the focus of our lesson this morning, is uh, in verse 14 and 15. So we're talking about time this morning. In verse 14 says that, I know whatsoever God doeth. It shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. So as concerning these times and seasons and purposes, we know that it's God that sets time and season purposes. But how does God look at time? I mean, we look at time and 
Sometimes I call it the curse of time. Excel seems like there's never enough of it. And I shouldn't, but uh, just sometimes. We're under this time and deadlines and schedules and so forth. Uh, but it says, I know that whatsoever God doeth. So God is the one that sets the time. It's God. It shall be forever. <coughs> Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Now, this is how God sees time in verse 15. That which has been is now. That which is to be hath already been. And God requires that which is past. So what it's saying is time, God's not affected by time. We could look 10 years, two days, and whatever, and so many minutes in the future, we don't know what it's going to be. But as God, the future is just as the present or as the past. And the past is, of course, just as, uh, to him, just as the present. So God's not really under time in the manner that we are. So the future... People say God looks down through time. And they say that in, in, a, in a manner that they might belittle God, actually. Does God look down through time to see what's going to take place, what did I say, 10 years and whatever I said? Does God, from eternity past, look down through time to see what was going to take place 10 years and 2 days and 10 minutes from now? Or did he appoint what was going to happen 10 years, 2 days and so many minutes? People want to say God looks down through time and you can say that. I know he knows the future. But does he know it because he looked down through time? Or does he know it because he created the things that was going to happen? Or the time and the season and the purpose? So why does God know it? If we look at it, and I wasn't planning on talking too much about foreknowledge. There's nothing wrong with using terminology as long as we don't use it as the world does, really to belittle God. But if we look at it, okay, God looks down through time. So as he looks down through time, he's growing in knowledge. He sees more and more and more. So God's growing in knowledge. He's a little smarter than he was. As I've said before, God's not getting any more smarter. You might think, well, I wouldn't say that. God knows everything. He's not growing. He knows everything. Even 10 years, 2 days, and so many minutes, whatever it is. So, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So, as we look at this, so what is time? I'm not going to get into 
Einstein and is time warped or bent or is there different parallel universes? I'm not going to get into to that, but kind of what is, what is time? It's kind of uh, events that takes place. As, as I mentioned, 10 years, two days, and so many minutes. Well, there'll be no doubt there'll be some events taking place then. But that's it's time. Linda, we went Thanksgiving dinner and played some games. It's, it's in the past now, but there was... We can give the date and the time. It's, it's, it's time. So uh, uh, we look at time in, in that manner. And then it says there's a, uh, a season. So season is more of a duration of time. And again, who fixed the time? Who sets the events? Well, we read the answer. I know whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. That's according to the scriptures. So we know who appointed the time and the seasons. But it says something else. It's, it says, and purpose. For every time and every season, there is a purpose. Nothing by accident. It actually reads, there's a time for every purpose. So kind of, if, if, if I would look at it this way, first we have a purpose. And then we have a time and a season set for that purpose. So I think that's a good way of looking at it. Ten years, two days, so many minutes. There's things that are going to take place. And I started to say something. I shouldn't say that. There are millions of somethings that will take place. But God purposed it. God, and, and I, I kind of hate saying, well, there, first there was a purpose and then there was time. But uh, for me to look at it, I kind of look at it that way. So we have a purpose. Purposes. And then God sets a time and a season for it. And according to the word of God, nothing can be put to it. And nothing can be taken from it. So, uh, as, as we look at this puzzle, we look at it as purposes. And then God has them lined up. And there's a time and a season for every purpose in your life. And everyone's life. Now, things happen in your life or life of your loved ones that we might not really like. But remember the old farmer 
Lord, I don't, I don't much like buttermilk, and I don't like lard, and I don't like raw flour. But Lord, when you mix them all together and bake them, I do love a nice warm hot biscuit. So we pray that he would give us faith as these pieces of his purpose happens in his own time and season in our lives that we would have patience and he would give us faith to realize this is his plan. Nothing can be put to it. Nothing can be taken from it. So we, we think on those lines and <clears throat> we won't read it, but <clears throat> Acts says, 15 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Whenever I just made, gave my opinion that God's not getting any smarter, I think this will back that up. If we could go back before the beginning of the world, the age, known unto God all his works from here. He doesn't look down through time and get smarter and see what his works are going to be. No, no. So 10 years, two days, and so many minutes, he knew it from the beginning because that's his work. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. And, of course, the Scripture also tells us in John, we studied that, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So that tells us a lot, too. So if we go back here from the beginning, what we may try to call the beginning, with God there is no beginning, but we go back what we call the beginning, uh, all things were made by him. So things that's going to happen in the future, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. These are very important points. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. And everything is God's work. Not anything made that God didn't make. And I know people will take exception to that. And I think a good way to ask him if they take exception to it, say, well, okay, what other creator is there? You're saying that God didn't create this or God didn't create this. Well, I'll speak a little bit of sarcasm, but enlighten me. How many other creators are there? Either God is a creator or there are a lot of creators. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. And he made everything, was not anything made that he didn't make. So there's one creator. One creator. Isaiah 45 is a scripture that uh, is not liked by many. Isaiah 45 and verse 7 goes along with what we're saying. And it says, uh, well, I'll read verse 5 as well, 5 through 7. He says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. 
So he's going to give some characteristics about himself. It won't fit anybody else. This creator who created all things, he's going to give a description, and it won't fit anybody else because there is no other creators. But he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. So we have a couple verses here with some very strong words. Listen, there's nobody else like me. I'm going to give some characteristics here and they won't fit anybody else. And he says, verse 7, I form the light. He said, yes, I, I, I remember that reading in Genesis. Uh, I formed the light. Uh, he, he created the light, yes. And he says, now I create darkness. Yes, he's a creator. I remember back reading in Genesis uh, early on, you know, he's the creator. And I, I, cre I create light and I create darkness. And he says, it's, it says, and I make peace. Yes, we know God is a creator and he creates peace. We know he's the only one that can create peace. And then it says, and create evil. The world hates this. The world tries to defend God, said, well, no, he wouldn't do that. God doesn't need your defense or mine. So, yes, he creates light. Yes, he creates darkness. Yes, he makes peace. And I create evil? Well, who does? Is there another creator? And he says, I, the Lord, do some of these things. I, the Lord, do all these things. We could, and we'll we'll try to try to talk about some of these things. Well, let me just mention now because I'm probably going to get run out of time. Run out of time. <laughs> but let's think about evil just a minute. I say, no, my God doesn't create evil. Well, what other creator is there? Is Satan a creator? Are you a creator? So you say, well, I, I just can't believe God will create evil. I'll give you a couple examples that, that helps me understand. You remember Joseph? And his brothers hated him, the coat of many collars and everything. And you remember, uh, they threw him into a pit, going to kill him. They ended up selling him for money uh, into slavery. Now, was that evil? That they cast him in the pit and sold him into slavery and got money or goods or whatever? Is that evil? Of course it's evil. Whenever, later, of course you folks know the story, 
But later, when Joseph, well, you know, Joseph was down there and he was put into prison. All the things that happened there ended up being the head of all Pharaoh's affairs. So then there was this famine in the land. There was going to be seven years of plenty when oh, people just had crops and food and didn't worry about saving anything. Just, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. Well, seven years of famine. Who created that? Was that evil? No doubt people, there was people starved to death. But anyway, you said, well, well God, wouldn't, God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't do evil. We may label it as evil. So Joseph's brethren cast him into a pit. And don't forget, they took the coat of many collars, put animal blood on, took it back to the father, said, here, some animal probably killed him. What do you think? So the father all these years... That's, that's evil. I mean, I, what label would you put on? So, then, uh, so we have the seven years of, of famine after that. And, of course, Joseph, all the grain and everything, they stored it up in Egypt and everything. So then, Joseph, brought, there was, they was out of, they was starving. So Joseph's brethren, uh, the father, sent them to Egypt to get grain and everything. So, of course, there was a couple of occasions there. So we had this, I'm going to call it evil, that they cast him into a pit. I'm going to call it evil that they sold him into slavery. So who, who did it? Well, his brethren did. Well, didn't mean to take that much time on this, but Yes, his brethren did. But whenever Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, they were terrified, weren't they? Oh, he's going to have us beheaded, and he could have. But he says, it wasn't you that sent me here. And he said, you meant for evil, but God meant for good. The nation of Israel was saved from starvation. So was the event evil that they cast him into a pit well, yes could that event could that event and that time and purpose not have happened no god had ordained it and he said he told him he says it wasn't you that did it it was god that sent me here so when we say does god create evil of course he does but he sees the big picture. We see a little bit in time. And we labeled evil. And it's okay to label it that way. And we might say, boy, I hate that evil. Boy, I hate buttermilk. Boy, I hate lard. Boy, I hate raw white flour. But when you mix it all together, the master chef mixes it all together, it's good. So, Does he really? Is it said in John? Does he really make everything? Is everything made by him? Everything? Even the little things? We was reminded in prayer this morning to thank him even for the little things. Well, is he, is he in control of the, of the little things? Doesn't he tell us there's not a sparrow falls from the air? 
the Lord knows about it. There was a bird this morning. We have a lot of casualties at our patio door. <laughs> we try to put some things there, but here comes a bird, and I guess they come in, and bam, their head hits it and breaks their neck and, and so forth. But there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without the Lord. And I look at that in two ways, without the Lord, Lord's knowledge, but also without the Lord. Those sparrows would not hit that window if it wasn't for the Lord. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know about the little things. Well, that, the next verse there in Matthew says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Is that little things? Is a sparrow falling from the air a little thing? Of course it is. But we look at that and we see that yeah, all things are working together for good. We may look at big things or little things. And I, the, the movies, Back to the Future, I kind of enjoyed those because it kind of, I mean, of course, we know time travel is not present now. After we pass in this world, I don't know. I have some crazy thoughts about that. But anyway, uh, but they would travel back in time and they'd change just one little thing. And then you go to the future, oh, my goodness, it has this big change. So, all things are working together for good. Or all things are working together, and for God and his plan, these big things, Joseph being cast into the pit and sold into slavery, or little things. His dad made him a coat of many colors. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. That famine couldn't have lasted six years. It had to last seven years. There couldn't have been three years of plenty. Going to be seven years of plenty. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14. And... Verse, starting verse 24. So we're talking about purpose, purposes, and time, and seasons, and who set those, who had the purpose, and who set the time and the season for those purposes. So verse 24, Isaiah 14. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. So we go back before the foundation of the world again. And if we look at God, and we try to look at time. And, but anyway, as he thought. He thought what's going to happen 10 years, 2 days, and so many minutes. And whatever all those thoughts are, they're going to come to pass. That's what it says. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Now he's talking about a specific thing here as well. That I will break the Assyrian in my land, and upon uh, my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. 
so he would, he would bring armies against Israel to chasten them. And then he would destroy those armies for what they did to Israel. May be hard to understand, but it's God. Verse 26. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who shall annul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? So whatever the Lord thought, whatever the Lord purposed, who can change it? Could, could uh, Joseph brothers have changed it? Well, let's, let's don't sell him into slavery. Could they have changed that? No. There's no way they could have changed that. Acts chapter 4. And again, I guess we're looking at he creates evil as well. And, and, and I know it's uh, difficult sometimes. What about uh, killing an innocent man? Well, let's just, uh, let's just read this. Acts chapter 4 and verse 27. For of a truth... Against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the nations and all the people of Israel were gathered together. What were all these people gathered together for? And who gathered them? But all these people, Herod, Pontius Pilate, and all these people were gathered together. And verse 28, to do whatever Thy hand, thy counsel, determined before to be done. So could Herod and Pontius Pilate got together and say, well, you know what, let's, let's don't crucify this man. Let's set him free. Let's, let's bring him in and sit at our table. And he'll be as one of us. Could they have done that? No. Maybe another example, you remember when Moses or God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I picture this, Moses on his way to tell him, let, to Pharaoh, let, let uh, the Lord's people go. And the Lord said, but wait just a minute. Before you go, I'm going to harden his heart, <laughs> and he can't let you go. I don't know what all went through Moses' mind. Wait a minute. You're saying go tell him to let my people go and you're going to harden his heart and he can't let my people go? No, exactly. And you know the plagues and everything happened like that. Could Pharaoh have let him go on the first plague, the second plague? No. Lord hardened his heart. That was, per that was one of the things that the Lord thought from the foundation of the world. Nothing could be put to it. Nothing can be taken from it. So here, they gather together 
to do whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined for to be done. And that was crucify an innocent man. But we know, we can read, <laughs> that Jesus Christ was as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan, God's purpose. This is just, so we, we could look, we could take these pieces, this puzzle, and oh, this is where he hung on the cross. But then there's other pieces. This is where uh, that uh, Pontius Pilate and Herod met to do this. These things led to this. And this is, we can find another piece. This is where he healed the man on the Sabbath. All that led to this, didn't it? All pieces of all God's purposes broken up into time and seasons. And I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that only God has a power to purpose something and bring it to pass. I know I don't. I also know you don't. As he thought, as he appoints, so shall it come to pass. And the Bible's full of examples of this. In fact, even when you see the word, and it came to pass, that, that tells us what comes to pass, what God had thought or ordained from the beginning, and it came to pass. Oh, gosh, let's see. Let's read Isaiah 46 and 10. Familiar to you, not so much to the world. So here's, we'll go back to verse uh, 9, Isaiah 46 and, and 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God, there is none like me. So again, he tells us, he's going to tell us something about himself. He says, these attributes, this description is not going to fit anybody else, as we read in uh, uh, before. Uh, so he says in verse 10, after he says, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things have not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand, and I will do most of my pleasure. Not what it says. I will do all my pleasure. Again, nothing can be put to it. Nothing can be taken from it. Can I look at these bits and pieces of purposes broken up into time and explain or understand each of them? <laughs> no. Sometimes we can see some of it, can't we? I know at different times things that, uh, that I've gone through in, in, in the hospital and, and other things years ago, and I felt love from the church that I never felt, never felt before. If it wasn't for that, I would never be able to feel that love. And, and, and different of you have gone through different things, and I, and, and I know you felt the love of the church. 
But God's in control. God has purposed all of that. Uh, so we see bits and pieces of purposes broken up into time. And our text says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that man should fear before him. And verse 11 said, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. He hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work of God that maketh from the beginning to the end. He's made everything beautiful in his time. Even in casting Joseph into the pit? Yes. Even selling Joseph into slavery? Yes. Even Jesus Christ suffering the way he did? Yes. So, as we look at, at our lives and lives of loved ones, and I know it seems like if we look at just your life, there's a lot of events and purposes and time. And in this congregation, there's a lot of purposes and reasons and times. But the whole world is full of purposes, broken up into times and seasons. And, and we can look at it, might be like the old farmer, Lord, I, I don't really like his buttermilk, and I really don't like this lard, I really don't like his white flour, but Lord, when you put it all together, it makes a mighty fine hot biscuit. So, we, this is what we see, is just these purposes broken up and in time they come to pass exactly as he thought it. And, and, and we're here, but only by faith can we say that all things work together for good. Them love God, them are called according to his purpose. So we see this, I don't want to call it a mess, but we see this scrambled purposes and times and seasons but God sees the whole picture God created the whole picture and then he took it and he broke it up these purposes into times and seasons does it work together for good According to the scriptures, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to his purpose. So I pray that occasionally when things happen in your life or life of loved ones, maybe you'll think of the old farmer, Lord, I, I mean, and Mort sings a song, Thank You for the Valleys. For me, it's difficult while I'm in the valley 
Lord, give me strength. Lord, I, I, I know uh, this, is, uh, this is your plan, but Lord, give me strength. To thank you for the valley. But as we start to come up out of that valley, many times we can look back and say, oh my goodness, what a blessing was there. I didn't see then. But you see maybe a couple more pieces of the puzzle put together. But we pray that he give us faith to believe. Well, Romans 8, 28, and many of the scriptures that we looked at today. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.